The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Let's go! Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, one-on-one showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One-on-One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Saturday, April 1st, 2023. Listeners, please welcome fan favorite gay adult star, Trent Summers. Welcome to the show, Trent. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. I should probably say also, happy belated birthday. Thank you, thank you. It's always appreciated. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It was a little earlier this week, a couple days ago. It isn't listeners on April Fool's Day, which is kind of funny that we're doing an interview on April Fool's Day. I don't believe, I'd have to go back in my Rolodex in my mind, I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast on April Fool's Day. Um, definitely not an interview, maybe one of our pop culture ones, uh, but that's, it's, I think it's a rarity. Um, but yeah, so here we are. We're not fooling you listeners. Trent is here and we'll be answering all the questions that I have. I'm really excited to have you on. We had been discussing it, uh, for, for a moment just because, uh, you know, when we initially talked about it, I was taking a bit of a hiatus from, doing interviews, so uh, I'm glad that we're getting a chance to do it now that I'm back to doing interviews. Well, thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. All right, so I typically like to start off these interviews by getting some unique stats out of the way. So what's your height and weight? Uh, My height is six foot and my weight is 167. What's your ethnic background? I am Slovakian, Hungarian, Welsh, and Irish. A lot of Europe. A lot of Europe, yep. It's basically all the countries that don't tan very well. Oh, there you go. What's your zodiac sign? I am an Aries. And how old are you? I just turned 36. All right, so let's get to know a little bit about the man behind the performer. Where are you originally from? I am from Sacramento, California. Let's talk a little bit about what life was like for you growing up. What was Trent like growing up? Trent was actually a um, Catholic school kid growing up. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade. Yep, I had the same 40 kids in my class from kindergarten to eighth grade. Uh, It was funny, not funny, but interesting that our teachers would switch rooms and we'd stay in the same room all day and the same desk all day. (laughs) Like different, like different classes, different teachers would come in and swap it out. We never, I never even experienced like switching classes until I got into high school. I never, I never even knew anything about that. It was a whole new world when I went to public high school. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So, okay, does that mean you know Trent was very repressed at a young age, <laughs> or did all of that make you more curious about what was out there? To be honest, I don't know if I was curious or not curious, but I came out in sixth grade. So I've been uh, not really in fear or repressed about anything. It made, it made all the other people at my school, uh, like teachers and parents, were kind of shocked. But I never really felt repressed. I've always lived whatever I felt. I've always just done my 
I've never like hidden anything that I am, you know what I mean? If that makes any sense, like if I feel a certain way, I'm not going to hide it because that's just me. Very nice. All right. So we've got to talk about this. So sixth grade, is that when you officially came out, came out like point blank and the period to family, friends, to everyone? Or was that when you just realized it for yourself? Tell me a little bit about sort of like when you first realized your attraction to men. Well, that's been my my whole life has been like that. But I um, in sixth grade, yeah, I point blank just came out and I might have been even a little bit uh, over the top when I came out because, you know, I was in sixth grade instead of in my 20s. I wasn't really as mature as an adult would be, but I, I still ran with it, and I, I probably overdid it a lot in people's faces because I was just, like, so out loud and proud and wanted to be shocking that um, I didn't expect um, the kids in my class to tell their parents, which got back to my parents, and that was not how I wanted to come out to my parents. But I was outed by, by the school to my family. That was the one place that I hadn't actually delved into coming out yet but it all came out in the same year everywhere sixth grade yeah i mean you were a kid so you probably did not think of if i start saying this at the school especially this type of school that they're probably going to call my parents and tell them exactly i actually what didn't think so ironically i thought that i was like so close with my friends because they've been like i said the same kids for you know, since kindergarten that nobody would even say anything but i guess it was everything everybody was talking about at that point well, yeah, I mean, you're going, I mean, I know as a kid, you're not thinking about this, but like you're going to, you know, a religious school <laughs> and even though they're your friends for the whole time, like they're pro they could be incredibly deeply religious and they you gave them the shock of their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. No, that is, that, that is the absolute truth. If I, if I've ever heard it, that is absolutely fucking true. That um, I I mean yeah, parent, kids told their parents, and I had to even have like a parent-teacher conference with my mom, and then my teacher outed me to my mom, saying that I had told people in my class, and that it goes against the Lord, and then I'm not, I can't stay at the school if I'm going to be openly gay. It was a very um, unexpected reaction for me because I just felt so free. But when I got those like type of like instead of like you know instead of supportiveness, I got the backlash of that instead, and I did not like that. But when you come out at such a young age, like every year is just one more year, you know, gaining your truth and being yourself. So I really am grateful that I had, you know, at least probably 10 years on a lot of people that had, didn't come out to their 20s. And I'm glad I came out when I was younger because I, I've seen people when they're an adult and they've been repressed and suppressed, like you were saying, for so long. And I just couldn't imagine living a life like that. Absolutely. I mean, props to you, but good grief. What a way to do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Go big or go home, right? Exactly. Like, you gave everybody there the shock of their lives, not just the kids. Good grief. I, I would just, to time travel and just see everybody's faces as you're saying this, I'm sure, yeah, that, that's like a lasting <laughs> imprint for some of them, probably. Yeah, for the entire school itself, I don't think there's anybody else in that entire, you know, school system that was doing anything I was doing. <laughs> Exactly. Now, let's go into as like a follow-up question. You know, what was your parents' reaction? Because clearly you left the school and your classmates shooketh. I don't know what your upbringing was like in regards to at home. Was that like really religious and conservative? Um, so, so what was the coming out experience like at home? 
So I, um, my parents have been divorced since before I can even remember. So I had two homes and my mom ironically was like, not about it. She was the most unsupportive, unhappy. This is just a phase. This is going to end kind of a person. And then my dad, he was like, I love you no matter what, you know, it is what it is. And there's nothing really to talk about. And I was really, really, really appreciative of that. Um, really unexpected turn of events that, you know, my dad was the more supportive one than my mom. And, you know, honestly, with my dad and I, it's almost like it's not even, it's nothing. It's just, it's just part of who I am. And he's never even looked at it any differently. So that's really, really been a good thing in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sucks that half of, uh, you know, your parents weren't being supportive, but it, but it's always, I think, if you have at least one, you know, at least, you know, you have that support. Correct. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. I mean, especially at that young age, like that's what you need. All you need is to be seen and to be heard. And you were heard in a big way. Yes, sir. I was. Everybody yes. heard about it, whether they wanted to or not. They were going to know because I was going to tell them. Right. All right. So uh, what was going on with your life prior to entering the gay adult industry? Um, ironically, I was a mortician for 10 years. I was an embalmer and a crematory operator working with the coroner's office as a contracted employee at a mortuary, uh, picking up, you know, decedents and then working on them in a uh, mortuary science program. I was an apprentice embalmer. So I was really, really, really deep into the death care industry. And then I don't know where here I am. <laughs> it was almost like I've always wanted to get into the industry, but I never found an outlet to do it or like a way to to find my way into the industry, and um, I did. Uh, Nick Sahara actually is who got me into the to the to the scene, introduced me to my agent, and I don't think that I would probably be as far as I am now without Fab Scout or without the introductions that I've had. Okay, so before we get into how you got into the business, I want to just pick your brain about the concept of wanting to be in the business. So you say, or you just said, I should say, that you had this idea for a moment. Like, how long had you had this idea about wanting to... Probably since before I was even 18, to be honest. Really? Um, you know, when you... I mean, I was probably watching porn since I was 16. Um, not, like, you know, every single day or anything, but, you know, like, that's when your your interests are peak. And I thought to myself, like, man, I could do this. I would love to do that. And then it was always just a thought in the back of my mind that I thought, I don't even know how or what or what I would even do to approach this industry whatsoever. But it's always been in the back of my mind that I wanted to do that at some point in my life. All right. Okay. So let's talk about... I was inspired by the mm -hmm. porn stars that I was watching at that time of my life. And I'm not even sure who they are, honestly, because I was so young. But I was just watching how, like, everybody was so built. Everybody was so confident. Everybody was having sex. And that looked like it was right up my alley. There you go. All right. So let's talk about how you got into the business. You gave a name drop. Shout out to Nick. Sahara. How did yes, that happen? Yes. Where did that connection come uh, from? And yeah, how, how, how'd you do it? <laughs> so ironically, Nick is actually from the same town I'm from. And he had gotten into the industry about, I don't know, maybe a year or two before I, um, I even knew he was in it. And we were just talking one day randomly on Facebook and he had moved to Los Angeles quite a while ago. And uh, we were just chatting, and I noticed, I was like, bro, you are so ripped. Like, you're huge. He never used to be as big. I mean, not to, like, say anything bad, but, I mean, like, we all start somewhere, but he really, really 
pumped up those muscles and became like a stud. He was kind of thin like me when he first started, and he really, really got a lot of gains. And I was really, really impressed. And I was like, how the fuck did you do that? Why did you do that? And then he let me in on the secret that he was in the industry, and I was just, I was sold. All right. That was simple. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. Amazing. It really is pretty simple. There's not really a whole sad story about it. This is like something that I enjoy doing that I thought that I'd be good at since the time that I wanted to do it. And uh, I just, I, I wish I would have started earlier, honestly. Very nice. I've never interviewed Nick. He's on my list. He's a very great guy and a great guy to interview. Very nice. All right. So, okay. So we talked about how you got into the business. Let's talk about your name. How'd you come up with your performer name? So Trent is a name that, you know, when you're younger, online dating or online hooking up, you always have a little code name. You don't want to use a real name so that you have, you know, your persona online is different than your personal life. And Trent was always a name that I used forever. I was going to choose between Trent and Kyle. Both of those names were names that I used to use as my my uh, pseudo name when I was meeting guys online. And uh, I ran that by Nick. I was like, what do you think? What do you think? He was like, well, let's go with Trent. And then he said, for our last name, though, you have to get a name that somebody else doesn't already have in the industry. So we had to basically make sure that whatever last name went with my first name, nobody else in the whole porn industry had that name. And it came up to be Trent Summers, honestly. Summers was just one of the names that it was just kind of random enough that nobody else already was using it with the first name Trent. There you go. Simple and straight to the point. I like it. Yes, sir. Very nice. So in total, how long have you been in the business? Let's see. I think I'm going on three years right now. Let's talk about... 2019, right Mm -hmm. before COVID hit, is when I signed with my agent. It was, like, right before COVID hit. So I was, you know, feeling like I was going to just, like, blow up because I was getting a lot of bookings. Everything was going smooth, just like anybody else, you know, who's in the industry. And then out of nowhere, COVID hit, and it was just, like, wow. (laughs) It was like it went way down compared to up. Especially living in Sacramento, uh, a lot of agencies weren't allowed to fly anybody out to studios because of the COVID risk. And then traveling just in general to studios was just something that was just too risky So the industry kind of shut down right when I started, ironically. And it's just now kind of picking back up, for me at least. Yeah, I've heard that story before from performers that entered around the time that you're describing. You know, they start off 2019 excited that they're going to get a lot of work, and then 2020, poof. Um, Yeah, and the thing I was excited because I – exactly, absolutely. And, I I mean, not to be boastful, but I was getting quite a few bookings consistently right when I first started, and I was looking forward to having a really great, you know, a career in this. And I I still do want that, but, you know, with COVID, everything has just taken such a turn that it's a different industry than I thought it was going to be at this time of our lives. Totally. But, I mean, things do seem to be getting back to normal now. Absolutely, absolutely true. So let's go back in time. Let's talk about the first time that you were on set. Now, you basically have been saying, you know, you were really interested in joining the adult industry. It always been, it's always been like an idea in the back of your mind, even though you were embalming. Like in the back of your mind, you were like, I don't want to do this shit. I want to do porn. Precisely. So you're finally doing porn. You get your first scene. You get booked for your first scene. 
what was going on in your mind? What was that experience like? Were you excited, nervous, scared, all of the above, or were you just ready to go? I was all of the above, but I wasn't scared. Everything besides the scary part is where I was. Yeah, basically all of the above, but I wasn't really fearful. I was really excited, and I was just, I was, I was intrigued to see what I was going to learn that I thought, you know, I, I was assuming that, like, I had an idea of what everything was going to be like, but I was really excited to see what it was actually like when I got there. And it was a great first experience. I filmed with, um, what did I film with? It was, it was in Fort Lauderdale, and I can't think of the studio. I think it was something where it's like the, the straight guy gets tricked into being gay. I forgot the name of the actual studio. But um, it was pretty, pretty cool. That like, sounds I got like Bait Buddies. It, yes, Bait Buddies. That's what it was. Exactly. Thank you. I apologize. I couldn't remember the name. So, yeah, I went into Fort Lauderdale, which is where my agent is based, and that's where the studio was as well, was at his, at his um, facility. And I filmed with, uh, what was his name? <laughs> Drawing a blank with the people I even work with. That's not good. But uh, Cesar Rossi. Cesar Rossi was my first, first, first team partner ever. And the scene only took about an hour. It was a really, it was a really quick shoot, and it was, you know, it was just on from there. After that first shoot, I just felt super confident on any shoot that was going to come up because it's just so, it, it's directed very well. Everything, you know, there's A roll, there's B roll. It's all put together professionally. It's like a real, it's a really like coordinated. It's, it's a lot more coordinated than I thought it was going to be. How comfortable was it to not only have sex in front of the camera, but to have sex in a way that is a little different than how you do it in your personal life? You know, because you have to think about the cameras. You have to open up a little bit for the camera to make sure, you know, all the good stuff is is seen. You know, was that a little bit jarring the first time to do? It wasn't jarring for me. I it was more it was educational honestly. I didn't know what A roll was, I didn't know what B roll was. I didn't even know that they took still shots. I thought it was just gonna be, you know, turn the camera on and fuck you know, just go fuck. But it was not like that. It was not like that at all. There is different five minutes you know, everybody's like put into a uh five minute five minute session of each position and it's it's yeah that's the straight fluid part i thought that all of all of the positions would be just like yeah like your personal sex life but it's not it's directed it's cut it's 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 timed out perfectly it's it's a whole routine it's a lot more like i said coordinated than i ever expected it to be what do you enjoy most about starring in porn scenes uh, I enjoy meeting new people all the time, which is really something I enjoy altogether. I love being around people and working with people with the same interests and the same, you know, the same type of energy. And, you know, we're all here on the same, once, once you meet people that you don't even know on the same set, it's almost like you already know that person because you guys are here for the same thing, you know, exactly what to do, which is pretty cool. And I really enjoy, um, going, traveling to new places, honestly, too. Our shoots are usually, you know, Vegas, L.A., San Diego, Miami, and I really, really enjoy the the the, the vacations that I kind of add to my work when I'm out there. Now, let's go over the good and the bad about being on sets. When you're on sets, what turns you on the most and what turns you off the most? Hmm, let's see. What turns me on the most besides the, you know, the check at the end is the uh, the facility that we film in. I really enjoy being in super clean places. Like, I really like it when a studio has a very well put together set 
and everything is clean. There isn't lube all over things. There isn't. I hate, that's a big turnoff when I get somewhere and I and there's lube stains on a on a sheet or if there's lube stains on the floor. Even though it's common, I just don't like that. How would you describe your fuck style? How would you describe your style of fucking? I am a top, and I'm honestly surprising. Well, I'm not surprised myself, but I'm not really a dominant top. I am a top, but I'm not really like like a mean dominant like. Uh, like master type of top. I just like to have like a good a good fuck session. Um, I'm pretty vanilla on ironically offset. When I'm on camera, like there's nothing I can't do. But uh, my fuck style usually is just pretty pretty chill. Like I don't really even like toys or anything additive. I just like another man and sex. Well, there you go. Now let's break a porn scene down together. In a scene, which do you enjoy the most, giving or receiving oral? Receiving. In a scene, is rimming a must? It isn't. Well, I think, I I don't think that I've been in many scenes where I haven't rimmed somebody. I think that is a must for a top. I don't know if it's a must for every studio, but in a top's position, you're going to be rimming, you're going to be getting your dick sucked, and you're pounding that ass. And making out, of course. But usually that's just like the, the routine of a top in the industry. In a scene, what's your favorite sexual position to perform for the cameras? And is it the same position you enjoy in your personal life? Or is it different? I like, uh, I like doggy style a lot. It's just super, super... Uh, I like it when, yeah, I have a guy on fours in front of me and I can just pound him out. I... Uh, I actually forgot the question. Can you repeat that question again, please? No worries. In a scene, which <laughs> position do you enjoy the most to perform for the cameras, and is it the same position off-camera? Uh, when I'm not shooting, uh, actually, let's go back to that. So my favorite position is the doggy style and the pile driver. Those are both my favorite positions on-camera. And then off-camera, I actually like to fuck a guy missionary pretty well, where I can see his face and see his cock and watch me sucking him and have his legs over my shoulders. And, of course, we know how a scene ends with the cum shot. In a scene, where's your favorite place to shoot your load? Uh, honestly, I really like to shoot my load on guys' faces. I like to see it on their cheeks and in their face and wherever it lands. I, I like to get, you know, I like a swallower, but I really like to see my nut on someone's face. You like to make a mess. Even though you like a clean area, you like to make a mess. Correct, and I don't <laughs> want, and, 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 in, and in the vice versa, like, I don't want someone else's cum on me. I don't really like them. I just like to bust nuts on people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's just facts. <laughs> hey, I like the honesty. I appreciate it. So I guess the big question for you, well, we're going to get into another big question in a moment, but I guess the big question right now as a follow-up to, to what you said a couple of answers ago is you've only been a top on film thus far for those out there that might be curious to know would you ever bottom would you ever do any verse scene work or are you a strict top period it is not in my plans um i guess i shouldn't never say never but it's not something that i have ever been planning on doing or asked to do or have thought about doing <clears throat> but i mean you know, you never know over time things can happen, but as of now, I'm strictly a top. And in your personal life, you are strictly a top as well? 
I am strictly a top of my personal life as well. There are some some men that if I am in a close closer relationship with than just a hookup that I'm willing to see how things go, but it's usually very it's very rare if that even crosses my mind. But it's uh it's not something I haven't done before. It's just not something that I prefer to do. All right. And so this is the other big question, a question that I'm sure a lot of the listeners and your fans and supporters might be curious to know. How much is Trent packing? Trent is packing an 8-inch cock, and I'm not sure the circumference, but it's pretty fat. Do you do anything to prepare for the cum shot? Like when you know that you have a scene coming up, do you do anything in in preparation to make sure that the load looks good on camera? I for sure don't have sex for at least a day or two or jack off a day or two before before I do a scene to make sure that the nut's going to be fat, it's going to be good, it's going to be guaranteed. But that's really about it. So far, in the time that you've been in the industry, in the little over three years, almost four years that you've been in the game, who have been some of your most favorite performers to work with? I'm not necessarily looking for, like, you know, top ten, top five, or anything like that. Just, in general, performers that sort of come to mind as favorites. Uh, favorites, let's see. Um, God, I'm trying to think back on all these all these little films that I, or these little scenes that I've done. I'm just trying to think of anything that stands out specifically. And there is a guy, and I cannot think of his name, and I know that sounds so terrible, uh, there's two guys. Roman Todd was really fun to work with. Johnny B was great to work with. And then this other guy, I can't think of his freaking name. Uh, if I think about it, I'll tell you later in the interview. But those two for sure. Are there any performers that you have not worked with yet that you look forward to working with in the future? Are there any performers that are on your wish list? There is one specific performer. He is my porn crush, and that is Italo Andrade. He is a Brazilian porn star, so I'm not sure if our paths will ever cross, but that is the only one I've ever felt like is definitely on my list if I can get that one. (laughs) I mean, do you have a passport? (laughs) I sure do. There you go. Anything can happen. That's facts. That is facts. Absolutely. Are there any individuals in the industry, whether they're performers or not, that you look up to? Are there any performers that inspire you in what you're trying to do in the industry? Uh, there's another guy from England, Billy Essex. Um, his freaking size and his videos are something that I would love to maintain or achieve one day. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think of who else that I think is really impressive. Um Cade Maddox, of course, and that's really it. And also Aaron Connor, he's he's fucking amazing. He's an amazing top. And if I can get his his mass and his size as well, I'd be set. <laughs> or I'm sorry, not Aaron Connor, Max Connor. All right. Okay. So, are you looking at uh, increasing sort of like the? Your, your musculature, you're looking to increase your body mass a little bit? Correct. And I'm already, uh, I'm 90 days into a really hardcore training 
that I've been doing six nights a week. And I have gained eight pounds since November of muscle. So that is a plus, but my goal is to gain 20 or 25. Props to that. Congrats on the journey. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so what I want to do right now is shift gears a little bit and ask you some more serious questions about issues in the industry and that sort of thing. And the first okay. question in this set is, are there any misconceptions or myths about adult stars that you would like to dispel? Uh, not all of us are idiots. <laughs> We're not just pretty faces. Quite a few of us are very educated and very smart, even though quite a few people in the you know, the world look at models or porn stars as, well, what an easy job. All they have to do is fuck all day. All they have to do is, is you know, just show up and look pretty on camera. But, you know, it is not just something that you do without thinking, without planning. It's a, it's a job. And, and working out in itself is a job. And staying focused and eating right, that's a job. And besides that, a lot of people in this industry, I have seen models turn into cameramen, turn into directors, turn into studio owners. So there's a lot more income and success and education and, like, brains in this industry than people think. In your opinion, is there any competition amongst performers in the industry? Absolutely. Every, every, I mean, everybody's in competition with everybody. This is like, you know, you're you're a model trying to make your way to the top or to at least make your way to an income that can support you without stress. And to do that, you have to get booked compared to somebody else getting booked for that scene. So, yeah, I think every booking is a competition. Every, every Everything in this industry is a competition, honestly, in my opinion. At least if it's not against yourself, it's against somebody else. But there, there is competition, absolutely. Is there an aspect of the industry, is there an aspect of the business that you do not enjoy? Mm, not really. That I, I mean, there's honestly, uh, well, I mean, delays and bookings. But besides that, everything is good. Now, something that I want to discuss with you is your involvement in a particular genre that uh, really has taken over the gay adult industry, and that is, you know, stepbrother, stepfather, step, 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 step. There have been a lot of scenes in this genre in the industry, especially, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, and they have been sort of like, there's been like a bit of an increase in the amount of scenes, in particular in this scene type, that are being shot in the industry. So my question for you is, as a performer, you know, as someone who was booked for one of these scenes, especially, you know, when you were doing, like, your first one of these, are they weird to record? Was it strange? Was Yeah, was it a little odd to all of a sudden? It was absolutely mm -hmm. weird. It was absolutely strange. It was absolutely odd. But, you know, I pulled it off, and it worked out because, I mean, I, when it comes down to it, we're all here for a paycheck. And the studio is the director. The studio is the one who writes the script. You know, it's not just like we're out there fiending to be on these weird scripts. But if it's there and it pays, I'm going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's legal, and it's something that people are requesting, and it's building it's building my, my, my fan base. I've noticed that. So the, the, the raunchier, kinkier films that I do, I get the most reactions from and the most, you know, the most support from, from fans, ironically.
All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's taken over the industry. I mean, clearly, no one's actually related or anything. You know. I mean, it's acting. It's it's you know, it is it's acting, listeners. But it's it's still like I've always wondered what it must be like to have to make sure you know you're like stepbrother. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to make sure you have to explicitly sort of say step to you know convey that it's not. Incest, although it's incest adjacent. Correct. And I'll be honest, uh, I have felt like I've sold my soul to the devil in a few of those scenes after I was done, and I had to go take a shower to wash the sin off of me. But, you know, it's ha- it was the beginning of my, my career when I had done done that scene that you're referring to. But I've done, a, I mean, I've done quite a few stepdad scenes because that's what I just keep getting casted as. But there is only one... One or two scenes that are the ones that are pretty controversial that I've done. And, you know, I, I know that I've done them. They're out there. And I've actually worked with those same actors again on scenes after that. So it's something that, you know, it is what it is. It was something that, you know, it was my first, first, first scenes I ever did. And I'll be honest, I didn't read the script all the way through before I left, which is my fault. But when I showed up and I read it, I was kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> I did not read this correctly. And I had to have, I actually did ask the director to edit some of the lines out of the script because some things for me are a little bit too far or a little bit too uncomfortable. Very rare, but when they are, I do definitely pull the director aside and say, hey, can we, can we change this, take this out, or something of that nature. Yeah, totally. I completely understand that. I mean, you know, somebody writes the script, and uh, I, I would assume that they sort of push the boundaries as far as they can, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the performer, you know, the person that actually has to act out the script, is 100% comfortable with uh, what's in it. So it's nice to know that it is a little bit of a, like a collaborative type of situation where you can, you know, cross a couple things out and that sort of thing. What I'm curious to ask you as a follow-up, um, because clearly this genre is incredibly popular. Um, this sort of niche has grown immensely that, you know, even like the, the more mainstream productions in the gay adult industry are doing them. And it isn't just sort of like the side websites and that kind of thing. You mentioned that a couple of scenes were controversial. Can you explain what was, what sparked the controversy? The controversy is that my scene partner, Dakota Lavelle, looks a lot younger than he is, and it's something that a lot of people sometimes can't see, that this is somebody who is, yeah, a younger actor in the industry, but he's not underage, and a lot of people keep looking at it as like, oh, why did you film with somebody in this in this scene with this like young-looking guy in this room that has bunk beds in it, and I'm like, bro, it's the, it's it's porn. It's a paycheck. It's a script. And when I'm done, I leave. It's not something that I act out in my personal life when I go home afterwards. Well, there's that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think people need to realize. I mean, everybody is age checked, and everybody. Everybody, we you know, do a very IDs, background checks, all that type of stuff. Yes, and we even do disclaimers at the end of every scene with our IDs in our hands next to our faces explaining that we consensually made these films. We were not raped. We were not on drugs. We're not on alcohol. Everything is definitely legal, legit. The Free Speech Coalition, you know, that's what it is, and that's what makes our our industry work. Absolutely, yes. Okay, 
So the other type of scene work that you've done that I kind of want to pick your brain about, just because, I mean, in, in the sort of, uh, not the same sense, but in a similar sense, it can be seen as just a, just a hair controversial like these step scenes is you have done scenes for the website uh, Missionary Boys. Oh, yes, I have. Yes. And, and I don't find that to be controversial at all, ironically. Isn't it crazy how my brain can see one thing as being, oh, my God, and then that, I'm like, ah, that's nothing. Well, yes. <laughs> but, you know, for some people, you know, when you mix in religion and the church and all that kind of stuff, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the website used to be called Mormon Boys, but I'm, I'm going it to was. assume it the was. church reached out and was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was wondering how long it would take for somebody just to put mormonboys.com, who was a Mormon person, thinking that it was like some sort of missionary site to go on missions, and then they find that. Yeah, which I'm going to assume probably something like that happened, because the name change happened instantly. Um, I would not be shocked if they were prepared, but anywho, that's, right. a, that's a question for them. waiting for it to have the hammer drop. Exactly. That's a question for them, if I ever get a chance to interview anybody behind the site. But um, I want to get your take on starring in productions that, you know, could be seen for some people as a bit taboo because it deals with religion. It, it actually deals with, you know, an established church. Correct. And my reaction to that is that I grew up Catholic, so the Mormon faith and me have no... There's no, like, and I don't even, I'm not even Catholic anymore, but I'm just saying I don't have any ties to anything like that. So to me, I don't feel, I don't feel like that's as taboo at all as the other ones. Like, I, am, I don't even think about those ones twice after I'm done with those. Oh, I like okay. To wear the tux, I, I, I like to wear the suits. I like to wear, I like to wear classic clothes on set, which is what I liked about the whole scene altogether. <laughs> All right, all right. You like the sort of, you know, the dress-up. I do, I do. If I could dress like that on every set, I'd be so happy. <laughs> I love it. Maybe not in that exact, you know, uniform, but like, you know, like business attire. I think that's really sexy. Now let's talk about the industry and, uh, and romance. Is it difficult to, you know, just date in general while being in the industry? Have you been dating? I'll be honest, I don't know. So I don't know if you're in a relationship. I don't know if, if you've dated before while you've been in the industry. So that's sort of full disclosure for the listeners. So, uh, you know, in your mind, is it easier to date someone that's in the industry? Is it better to venture outside of the industry? Or is, uh, you know, dating something that's not even on your mind? It's, well, in the town that I live in, to be honest, there's not a huge selection here that I'm interested in. So that's not really on the forefront of my mind, but I was dating a guy for about a year while I was in this industry, and he was very supportive. He had worked for a really large company that does branding, and he was saying, like, I want to build your brand. I would love to support you and, like, just do anything I can to promote your image, and it was a really good, it was a really, it was a really good relationship with, you know, when it comes to that, and I was really, really grateful about it, but then about, I don't know, a year into it, he looked at my Twitter or my Instagram, which he had never done before, and then he got super in his head, super, super not the way he was before, and everything kind of changed once he finally actually looked at what I was doing. When he was hearing about it, 
not in real time, it wasn't a big deal, but then when he searched it out, he was definitely in a different mindset. So I'm not sure how everybody feels about, you know, dating a porn star or dating an escort, but it can happen if you date the right person, but make sure it's the person that's really going to actually be honest 100% with it, and if not, then it's not going to work in my opinion because it's going to be always an underlying issue if the person's really secretly not okay with it. Absolutely. I believe any relationship, whether it's a romantic one or even like a friendship or even a familial relationship, like any relationship needs open and honest communication. I always say this, like whenever something like this is brought up on, a, you know, in an interview or on another podcast, because it's true. I mean, you need to be honest about how you feel like, you know, unless you're dating a psychic you know, or a mind reader, <laughs> exactly. you literally have to express yourself in what you're feeling. You cannot assume someone understands where you're coming from without properly expressing it. So, yeah, I mean, just be open and honest, and, and that's what keeps the world going around. Well, and the thing was, I don't think he wasn't being open and honest. He just hadn't ever actually exposed himself to see what I was doing. He knew what I was doing, and he knew, he knew everything about it. But I think that just the knowledge of it and not seeing it in real time was a different story. Oh, okay, well, there is that as well. Yeah, but, I mean, if if he knew, you know, what industry you were in. I mean, I guess it is different, you know, as you're saying, hearing about it than seeing it. But, I mean, once you hear, you know, I'm a performer in the industry, this, that, or the other, I mean, you kind of have to get a, I don't know, maybe it's different. Maybe it's different because I interview performers. So you know what I'm saying? Maybe for the non-person with the podcast that does not interview <laughs> perform. you know what I'm saying? It might be kind of different. To the average person. To the average person, yes. I don't know. I just feel like if you're told that a person is a porn star, you just have to be like, okay, they're a porn star. Like, they're a performer. Or even if they're just a content creator, you know, you're filming sex, you're a part of the sex industry. Uh, I mean, how much more explicit do you have to be, <laughs> you know? Exactly. I mean, exactly. Well, that was the thing. He wasn't unaware. I just don't think that his mind was allowing him to recognize, like, the full spectrum of it. And that's what he realized he saw <laughs> when he saw it in real time. Totally, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's shift away from some of the serious stuff. And, well, I guess this next question is serious because I don't feel like I've ever had to ask this to anyone. First time for everything. Yes, I'm like wrecking my (laughs) brain right now as I'm about to ask this, but I feel like since it's existed... I have not asked this to anyone. You don't have an OnlyFans. You don't have an OnlyFans. You don't have... There are many other avenues similar to it. Uh, I could name them all. But you don't have any of those either. You are a performer in the gay adult industry in the year 2023 that has (laughs) no avenue or means to release original content. I find that fascinating just because you're a performer in the year 2023 that does not have this. So, I I mean, I just said a statement that I probably should have done in the form of a question because the only thing that I have to follow up that sentence with is, 
Why? Well, there is a simple answer to that. I have been working with a few elite clients um, for the past couple of years where I haven't had to do OnlyFans. Uh, not, not had to, but I just wasn't in the position where I needed that extra income. Um, I might be getting back into it now that my clients have, one got married and one has moved out of the country. So now that I'm not tied down to them, most of, you know, when I'm not on scene, I'm usually with one of those guys. And now that they're gone, not gone, but moved on, um, I'll have more time to actually sit down and do an OnlyFans and do more things with actual uh, content creating and things like that. I just wasn't at a point in my life where it was something that was dire to me that was a, a necessity because the studio work was so fluid. And then, you know, I have my own, you know, clients on the side outside of the industry that were taking care of me really, really well. So I, I just didn't really have a need to do it at that point, or still. Okay. All right. That's totally understandable. I, I, I fully hear everything that you're saying. It is still surprising. I mean, nonetheless, like, I know you have, you have your reasons, and it made perfect sense. It's still a little bit surprising. It's kind of daunting to have a performer in the industry on whatever side of the industry not have an OnlyFans, you know, in the OnlyFans guys, they put a lot, I mean, honestly, those guys are working their asses off. They put so much work into their content. It's very impressive. It's super impressive. And it kind of intimidates me thinking like, shit, that's a lot of fucking work for me to be doing. But I will start doing it. I, I, I had been planning to do that for a while. It's been under construction for a little bit too. I'm just trying to gain enough content to when I produce it that it's not just one video and guys are just like, what the hell? <laughs> Where's the rest of the content? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's totally true and completely understandable. Yes. Okay. Interesting. All right. So listeners, stay tuned. Uh, coming soon. Tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know. Something unique about Trent Summers. Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. Not many things people don't know about me. That's the thing that I'm trying to dig up something that I haven't already talked about. Uh, quirky. I, I don't know. I'm not really, well, I guess I'm just quirky altogether, honestly. Like, if you just knew me, I'm pretty quirky. But there's nothing specifically quirky about me that I can think of that's, that's yeah, I, I'm not sure how to answer that, honestly. <laughs> Describe yourself in 10 words or less. Wow, put me on the spot. All right, let's think about this. Kind, generous, honest, uh, athletic, focused, driven, happy, loving, caring, and money-driven. Money I guess driven and money-driven are the same thing. <laughs> Is that 10? Yes. I was counting along with you. <laughs> As we start wrapping things up, I have this list of pop culture-oriented questions that are designed to allow the listeners and your fans to get to know some of your favorites. The first question in this set is, what are five of your most favorite television shows? Ooh, television shows. I watch a lot of crime TV. So I watch Homicide Hunter with Detective Joe Kenda. I watch um, I watch uh, Drag Race, of course, and I watch I don't really watch a lot of TV, but those are the two I watch the most 
And I oh, I watched It's Always Sunny in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I watch because I'm an old school kind of guy. I watch Frasier quite a bit. Reruns of Frasier. <laughs> I'm sure he's laughing at that, but it's true. As well, uh, I like the Food Network. I like to watch um, recipes. I like to watch people cook. So just the network in general is my one of my go-to's all the time. Who are four of your all-time favorite music artists? Four of my all-time favorite music artists. <laughs> you're gonna be, you're gonna be not maybe a surprise, but um, it's gonna be Kim Petras. It's gonna be Trina. It's gonna be Megan The Stallion. And it's going to be who's uh, my other two? Who's my other two? Oh, Chris Lake. He's a DJ. And then also, who else? Who else is my favorite that I listen to all the fucking time? Uh, Shakira. I like a lot of female music, like a lot of female artists. I'm not really huge into male. To male. I don't know why. I just don't listen to a lot of male artists. What are three? I like girls that are oh, wait, go ahead. Money. Sorry. I said I like women that rap about money. There you go. What are three of your most favorite films? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to say, oh, uh, Bridesmaids. Aaron Brockovich, and Moulin Rouge. I know there's the most random collection of movies, but that's what I used to watch when I was younger, and I still watch them today. Like, I, like they, they haven't gotten any older to me. I watch those like it's brand new all the time. <laughs> what are two foods you can't live without? Ooh, I was going to say Hawaiian barbecue and halal food. And what is one of your guilty pleasures? My guilty pleasures is, I don't know if food is a guilty pleasure, but ice cream is definitely my guilty pleasure. Ice cream, I I eat more ice cream than anybody I know. I eat it all the fucking time. (laughs) Yeah, of course ice cream is a guilty pleasure. 100%. What's your flavor of choice? My favorite flavor of ice cream is, like, the peanut butter cup or the, um, like, anything that has, like, a chocolate candy in it like a Snickers or a peanut butter cup or something that has, like, chunks in it, or, like, a cheesecake, anything that has chunks of something else in the ice cream. Very nice. What are you currently binging? Are you binge-watching anything at the moment? Am I binge-watching anything at the moment? No, I mean, I'll be honest. A group of my friends, um, I I never, ever, ever watched Drag Race until, like, recently, and my friend shows me on my Hulu that I have, like, eight seasons I've never seen, and I'll be honest, I've been watching that for the past, like, <laughs> well there you go alright what's next for Trent Summers what can the listeners and the fans expect from you anticipate from you in the year 2023 I mean clearly they're going to be witnessing a body transformation but outside Absolutely. of that what else is planned yes, sir. I will be going on tour again now that um, I said my I really to um, a leader, a leader, elite clients that I was working with for the past, I don't know, probably four years. Like I said, one got married, one moved out of the country. So um, I'm back on Retmen. I will be doing a U.S. tour. I'm just not sure what states or cities yet. So if anybody wants to send me a message on Twitter or give me a suggestions of uh, where you'd like me to be, feel free to let me know. That will be starting most likely next month or the month after. Very nice. Awesome. How can your fans reach you? 
Where can they find you on the web, social media? So I am at Trent Summers X. That's spelled my name with the letter X at the end. You can find me on Twitter. That's the only social media platform I have right now for Trent Summers. My Instagram got shut down because of the pictures I was posting, even though they were extremely censored. I think Instagram is having a little bit of a stick up their ass right now because nothing that I had posted was anything other than just basically like a censored picture promoting going to my Twitter kind of a thing. And then it got shut down. So I haven't restarted that yet. So just uh, at Trent Summers X on Twitter and just my name, Trent Summers on Redman. Perfect. Well, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters that are tuning in? I would just like to thank every single person that supported me, who's followed me, who's left a comment for me, anything that you guys have done for me as a positive thing. I very much greatly appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys for keeping me keeping me uh, in the industry. Well, I certainly want to thank you for the interview, Trent. I thank you as well. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, 100%. I'm glad we finally got the chance to do this. Same, 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 absolutely. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning into One-on-One with Poppy Chulo. Before we go, here's our answer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading One-on-One with Poppy Chulo. Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on One-on-One with Poppy Chulo, visit poppychuloradio.com slash afterdark. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash poppychulo one on one. That's at poppychulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Back to you, Poppy Chulo. Thanks, announcer. And with that, Trent Summers and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Thank you. Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio. And like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week.